Hello again, everyone, and welcome to today's show. If you're one of the 130 million people that are dealing with SIRS, Lyme disease, autoimmune disease, or other conditions that are impacted by mold on a daily basis, and you need to learn how to eliminate that exposure, then you're in the right place. My name is Brian Carr, and you're listening to Mold Finders Radio. Hey everyone, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you might be listening to this. Um, I am back from my short hiatus from my move that I was going through, which we were talking about for a bit, and I have some things to talk to you guys about that's happened over the last week or so. Some with the house that I actually moved into, uh, some from different appointments that I was on, different conversations I had, so I have a lot going on that uh, I think would be helpful for Uh, some of you guys to listen to. So I'm excited to start sharing all that with you guys. Uh, First, I just wanted to give you an update on the house a little bit because I am going through something here that I feel like a lot of people go through in their places. And um, so quick backstory on this place. Uh, If you had not been listening to the previous episodes, we uh, found, found this home. My wife found this home. And she really liked it and she wanted us to come look at it. And I was looking at at the information on the home and I saw that it was a 12-year-old home. And I was basically trying to tell her, I was like, listen, hon, don't get your hopes up. Uh, You know, that's a a home where there's some history and there's a likelihood that there's some problems, you know, from a water damage perspective that could be going on. But let's go look at it, right? And so that's what we did. And I looked through and I, I really didn't find anything except one kind of minor thing. And so we ended up moving forward. So that was kind of the backstory of, uh, of the house that we're in. And so when it came time to do the walkthrough, uh, which was basically the Sunday before we moved. So we started moving on Monday and we did uh, you know, the final walkthrough that you do uh, on Sunday. And really the point was to go through was to relook at everything with the homeowners and the realtor with us and basically just take notes on damage that has art that's already in the house so when it comes time for us to leave that you know it's not our fault and it has to get fixed and take out of our security deposit and that sort of thing so that's what we did we started going through the house so I again just started doing the same look through the house that I did the first time right and this time it was uh it was easier for me to do. Uh, if you recall, when I was describing how I had to look through the house, it was almost like I was a spy having to duck into cabinets and duck into rooms and look at things while, while my wife was distracting the real estate agent because I didn't want that to uh, ruin our opportunity uh, to get the property. So um, this time was a little different. We're supposed to be looking through stuff. So it was it was nice that I could do that. So we're doing that. I'm opening up all the window areas. I'm looking under all the sinks. I'm literally looking at all the baseboards around the house. Uh, and then we're looking at things that like most people look at, which is like the floors. We're making sure they're like, you know not nicked or damaged. We're looking at different things just for basic damage. And anyways, we get into the room that's going to be my daughter's playroom. So this room is downstairs. It's below the master bathroom tub. And we walk into that room and I look up at the ceiling and there's uh, one circular patch of water damage. It's about the size 
of uh, maybe like a can light. You know, those like circular recessed lights that go up in the ceiling. It's about the size of that. Uh, maybe a little smaller, um, but but something around the size of that. And then next to it, there was also a water stain that was more of a straight line that was kind of the width of a framing piece. It almost looked like some water got uh, uh, moved toward a framing beam and then and worked down the framing beam. And so I walk into the room and I see that. I'm like, ah, oh, come on. <laughs> like I was just here a couple of weeks ago and it looked fine. And we come in and I see this, you know, and God, you know, this happens guys, like even places that look good right now, they're the, the house is a living system and things happen. My guess on what happened here is that, you know, who actually uses their tub very often? I, I feel like not a lot of people really do. Um, I would like to. I think the idea of taking a bath and having like essential oils and stuff like that sounds pretty awesome. But, uh, you know, I never used my tub really at another uh, previous place I lived at. Just not something I really did. I don't think a lot of people really use the tubs in their master bathrooms that much. Um, and so my thought is, you know, if it hadn't been used that much, then there was the water wasn't running, things weren't happening. And then so that was maybe an issue that wasn't going, you know, to, to be visible that much. What's interesting is the one issue that I did see when, you know, I, I mentioned there was like a small thing that I saw that I was like, listen, it's, this is about as good as you're going to get in a rental was actually right next to the master tub in the bathroom upstairs. So there was a baseboard next to the tub in the master bathroom that had some water damage on it. And my thought at the time was, I think this is probably from like splashing water, like when people get in out of the tub, right? That was my thought and my guess on what it could have been. I didn't have the flexibility to do like wall cavity testing and things like that. So I just basically went through the rest of the house, saw this one thing, wasn't super thrilled about it. My, my thought was going to be, all right, we're renting a house. We have limited control. I'm seeing one thing in a, in a large home, but you know, as compared to where we were before. And, uh, you know, I know what houses look like. I see a lot of them and I've seen thousands of them and this is about as good as I think we're going to get. And so that was the decision that I made. And oddly enough, as we come here now, we look in the room downstairs below that bathroom and sure enough, there's this water staining on the ceiling. And I'm just wondering if they were like testing the plumbing and testing the tubs and doing some things before we moved in and a leak kind of revealed itself at that point. And so anyway, so that's happening. So obviously I'm a little bummed. My wife is a little bummed. Uh, the nice thing, and, and I have to say incredibly thankful for, uh, for the landlords that we have, the homeowners that we have here, they're very, very on top of the house. And, you know, one thing I've learned through this process, and I know that it's not a typical thing when you're renting a home. Uh, and so I don't want to make it like a criteria piece for something that you have to have when you're moving into a home. But the nice thing about this place is that the homeowners are actually the ones that we have direct contact with. They're the ones managing everything. They're the ones kind of quarterbacking all the different, um, you know, people that need to come in and look at stuff throughout the house, you, you know, for maintenance and things like that. Uh, it's not handled by a property management company. And because of that, they really are taking care in, in what's happening, right? They really want to make sure that things are getting done the right way. And I've definitely seen in other places that I've rented that the property management companies, it's not really necessarily what they're doing, right? So the way the property management companies typically work 
is they get a percentage per month uh, management uh, or, uh, excuse me, a percentage per month fee uh, of the rent in order to manage the property. And in addition to that, they get basically a budget that they're allowed to use uh, to fix things in the home or the apartment or whatever uh, that they're allowed to do whatever they want to do with before having to get approval from the homeowner. So for example, let's say every month they're given, uh, or maybe not even every month, but every issue that comes up, maybe the, the homeowner has in the deal with them, like, listen, if this costs less than $500 and just feel free and do it, you don't have to get our approval. If it costs more than $500, you have to tell us about it. We have to get approval. You know, you have to make sure, you know, and then we want multiple bids to see what's going on with the job and all this stuff, all these criteria pop up. And so a lot of times the property management companies, the reason they get hired and that they get good reviews and that they're looked upon as, as like a good property management company is, is not so much because of how the tenants are reacting to them, although I'm sure that's part of it, but it's more about how the homeowners reviews are of them, right? Does that make sense? Because the homeowners are actually their clients. The, the tenants are not their client. So they need to keep the homeowners happy. And what's one big, big way that you could keep a homeowner happy with a home that they don't live in, that they're just looking at as like a cash flow property or investment. And that's basically to not bother them with problems that happen in the house. And so the property management company then, because that is their motivation, their goal. Remember, I keep saying a lot throughout these episodes that you have to understand the motivation and the goal behind everyone that you're talking to, uh, to then know what they're saying and why they're saying it to you. And if there's maybe a reason that they're saying something a certain way, if it benefits them. So that's the deal with property management companies, right? And they don't want to tell the homeowners that there's problems and that it's going to cost thousands of dollars. So they go out and hopefully they try to patch something up really quickly and then not even tell it to the homeowner. But if they do have to send something to the homeowner, then they're going to be trying to send the lowest bid in order to get it done because ultimately they're getting judged on how well they are managing the property, which is let's keep these costs down and let's keep my cash flow high, right? That's, that's what the, the homeowner is typically thinking. I tell you all that because like I was saying, this homeowner is very involved. They're, honestly, not like any other like landlord that I've really had, uh, throughout my time. Like they're very on top of it. So, um, and they want everything to be good. And you know why the reason why just quickly is because they told us when we moved in, I, I had mentioned there's a lot of competition for this house. People were offering more money. They were offering like signed sports memorabilia, larger deposits, longer lease terms, all kinds of stuff. And they ended up choosing us. And at the end of the day, after everything was said and done, uh, you know, one of the reasons they said they chose us is because they want to give this house to their daughter when she's old enough to have a home. And so they want the home to be taken care of very, very well. And because of that, they said, you know, we just, we just felt that you guys between, you know, being a kind of a starter family, you know, with our, with our toddler and how we're looking to grow our family. And then also with what I do for a living, that they felt that the house would be in good hands uh, in order to stay on top of it and keep it, you know, kind of the best, safest place that it could be for their daughter when it came time to give it to her, which is pretty freaking cool. Um, so I got to say, I'm very thankful for that. Anyways, that was a long ta tangent about the homeowners and, and whatever. But what I was getting at is that, uh, while I don't think it can be a criteria, cause the truth is there's no way to even measure that truthfully when you're looking for a rental. Um, 
it is pretty nice and I almost would think if you have two places that are kind of equal and one of them is managed by the homeowner and you can have a direct relationship with them versus another one that's managed by like a property manager. Uh, I think I would lean more towards the homeowner after my experience that's been going on here versus other places I've been at, uh, assuming all things are equal in the homes. So anyways, let's get back to this room. So the room, uh, master bathroom above right by the tub where I saw some water damage before. Didn't think it was a big enough deal to walk, but definitely noticed it and then saw staining in the room underneath. Okay. So what are we doing now? So we're in the room with the homeowners while we're doing the walkthrough and I look up at there and I see it. I'm like, Hey guys, like there's been a water leak and they look up and they're like, like, Oh wow. Like this, we didn't see this before. I was like, honestly guys, like I really look through this whole place and I didn't see this a few weeks ago when I, when we came to look at the house. So that means that it's happened since then. And so, uh, you know, we're, we're catching it kind of quickly, but you know, a couple weeks is enough time for mold to grow, right? Mold only needs a couple hours. So, uh, that's one thing that a lot of folks kind of wrap, wrap up on is, oh, well, it's pretty new. It's only been going on for a week or so. Uh, you know, we caught it early catching it early. Just so we all know what catching it early means is it leaked and I wiped it up and I cleaned it up. That's catching it early, <laughs> right? Catching it you know, days after it started or weeks after it started is not catching it early because that's enough time for mold to grow. And so that's one thing that I want to, you know, kind of clear up right now with you guys. So when you think of things like that, you think, oh, this thing's only been leaking for a week. We don't need to treat it seriously because, uh, you know, it's only been happening for a week. It's plenty of time, plenty of time for problems to happen. So, uh, so we were talking, I was like, okay, so here's what we need to do. It's like, I have to test this before we do anything. Because at first they're like, okay, do we need to open this up? Do we need to get the plumber out? I was like, no, 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 no. We're not opening anything up until we test it. And so that's a big thing, right? We don't know if there's mold up in the ceiling, okay? As far as I can tell, now, obviously, you know, I didn't do ERMI and mycotoxin testing in the house. It's not something that I did uh, for us. Uh, a lot because of what I saw, the condition of the house. The house is not renovated. It's still the original house. I wasn't seeing water damage in places. There wasn't a lot of work that was done in terms of the history when I talked to the homeowners about it. So, um, you know, I didn't go ahead and do that in the house. We had to move quickly. And I know this happens with folks too, right? You have to move quickly. You have to get into the house. That's why the visual inspection is a very, very important piece. It doesn't tell you everything. But for us, it made sense for me to not worry as much about that. Um, and then I was just going to come in, have a deep clean of the house. So when we got in, we have air filtration units that we're bringing in. I felt good enough as long as there wasn't a lot of water damage throughout the house and source areas of mold growth that I felt that it was good enough for us. So that's what I ended up doing for us when we made the decision. And anyway, so I told them with the ceiling though, that I was like, we have to test the ceiling. If you open it up and there's a problem down here, it's going to spread throughout the whole house. It's going to get pulled into your air conditioning system and you're going to have a massive problem that basically gets created from doing this the wrong way. And they said, okay, all right, so what do we do? Amazing, right? So they asked me what to do versus saying, well, this is what we're going to do. It's our house. So again, just, you know, being very thankful for, for the people that we're working with that own the house. So what we did, I was like, okay, I'm going to test the ceiling. We're going to see if there's anything up in the ceiling. So how do we test the ceiling? We do what's called cavity tests. Okay. We don't do air samples in the middle of the room. It's not going to tell us anything when you have a source water issue like this. Uh, briefly, just to touch on this again, I know that this is the case, but I wanted to prove that this is true. So over the course of the year, I took uh, a, a set of 
properties that I did inspections at when I knew or not when I knew, because I don't always know, but I'm pretty good at it, when I was pretty confident that there was going to be a hidden mold issue behind a wall or in a cabinet where there was water damage, in addition to taking the cavity sample or the source test really close to the area or behind the area, I also did an ambient air sample about three, four feet away from that. And I did that in multiple homes over the course of a year. And it came up that almost 80% of the ambient air samples that were only a few feet away from like the wall where the water damage was, 80% of them came back with a false negative when the test inside the wall actually showed that there was a, a mold condition, there was a mold problem, right? So you, you take an air sample three, four feet away in open air space as compared to taking an air sample in a wall cavity or in a ceiling cavity and you can see an 80% difference in the accuracy of that test, okay? That is that is why ambient air samples don't work. <laughs> so um, keep that in mind. I know I've talked about it a lot. I don't know if I've shared the specifics on how I validated it myself. Um, I just know it's true from doing inspections before, but I felt like I had to try to prove it and show that that was the case. So I did that over the course of a year, and so that's that's you can kind of lean on that, right, if somebody's pushing on you. Uh, anyway, so, so that's what I did. So now... Uh, I did a little extra sampling in the ceiling myself because, uh, you know, I wanted to and I was the one that was dealing with it and I didn't have to sell myself on it or pitch myself on it. So uh, typically in that situation, I, I would have only done if I was at a client's house, I would have only done one test in the ceiling in that space. Uh, they weren't super far away. And technically, you're going to get, you know, the airflow is really close in that space. Um, and one sample would have been enough. I wanted to make sure I had extra coverage, so I actually did two samples. I did one in each area where I saw the staining because there was probably about a foot in between the two different stains. I was like, you know what? I'm doing an extra test up here. I'm doing two cavity tests, one right where each staining is. I'm going to make sure. I'm going to be really close on top of each of these. And the way you do it, so we put a small hole in the ceiling. It's about the size of like a Sharpie pen. And then you stick a tube through the hole and you attach that to the air sampling pump. And there's an adapter that does that. And then it allows us to pull air from above the ceiling. So that's what I did. And I did those two different air tests up above the ceiling. And when the tests came back, they were both fine. There was nothing up there. Um, you know, well, I want to say nothing. There was very minimal stuff. Uh, it was compared to the outdoor sample that I took. So there is an outdoor baseline sample that you take as a comparison point. Um, you know, a lot of people ask me about the outside sample, you know, like, well, where we live, you know, there's more woods or there's more moisture or whatever. So that sample is going to be higher or we live in the desert. So that sample is probably not going to be as high. And and so what does that mean? It just means that that's normal for where you live. That's all. So the whole point of the outside baseline sample is to understand what's normal for where you live and then to compare what we're seeing inside to that sample. There's no right or wrong or high or low for the outside. It's just it's where you live. Right. And so that is the environment that your house is surrounded by. And that's the environment that we have to compare your home to. And if for some reason you do live in a heavily wooded area or there's a lot of moisture around and your outside air samples are you know, really high for some reason, you can't remediate the outside of your house. You know, So what you have to do is you have to take steps inside in order to help that, which would include air filtration technology and things like that to try to counteract any sort of outdoor influence. Um, you know, there's other things outdoors that impact what we're doing inside too, right? So if you live next to a freeway, 
uh, you're going to get a higher load of combustion byproduct. If you live next to a factory that's pumping smoke out, you're going to get more of those byproducts into your home potentially. Uh, if you live near, next to an airport, you're going to get more of, of that. So the area that you live in definitely can impact what's going on in the house. Um, going on a tangent here, but now that we're talking about this, another criteria piece that I always had for looking at a home, let's get away from mold just for a second, is the location of the home in general. So I don't want to be next to a freeway. I don't want to be next to the pathway for an airport. I don't want to be next to a factory. Those are all things that I don't want to be near um, because there are other things in the environment that can get into the home. And I know we really focus on mold a lot on this podcast um, and a lot of my conversations are there, but there are other air quality issues that are important to consider. Those are three things. So like a while ago when we were looking for an apartment, we found a really cool place. We actually really liked it, but it was built immediately off a freeway. And at the time when we were looking at it online, you know, I, I didn't know, I didn't, I couldn't see where it was. And so uh, when we pulled up and I saw that was right off the freeway, I told Nikki, uh, you know, my wife, I was like, Nikki, we're not going to live here. It's right off this freeway. This isn't happening. And she's like, oh, well, can we go look anyways? Cause we're trying to get a feel for what stuff looks like. I'm like, yeah, let's go look anyway. So we go and look and the place was really cool. Um, but we weren't going to live there because you're going to get all, you know, the exhaust from the cars and the, and the byproducts and all that stuff is going to be something that you're going to have to consistently battle in your home. And there's no way to remediate it because it's just where your home is located. Right. And so that would have meant having to bring in, you know, even extra air filtration technology at the time, Nikki was pregnant. And so I was really concerned about that, um, for her being pregnant. And then also for, um, for Kensington when she was really little too. So, uh, that was something that, that I immediately nixed an apartment and I, and there were other places that we saw. And then I started looking more closely at the maps after that. So we didn't waste a drive. Um, and I saw like where they were, I was like, no, this one's not going to work. This isn't going to work. Um, one other thing real quickly on just my preference when I was looking for a place was, uh, electric lines, power lines. So EMF. So EMF is, is important, right? It's, it's definitely an issue. There's a lot of research out on it. Uh, there's actually even research out that shows that EMF can actually exasperate the growth of mold, uh, mostly because it's seeing it again, it's like a competitor, it, it's agitating it, it's competing with it, it's fighting with it. And so, uh, there are studies out there show that mold will actually grow faster um, and magnify if there's, uh, electromagnetic frequencies that are basically around it. So, uh, that was another thing that I was, uh, very key on. And so that means, uh, there was like, for example, an apartment building and it was on, uh, it was street side was the side where like the window would look out of. And then right on that street, there was power lines running basically along that sidewalk right next to the unit. So like you could open the window and like throw a rock and hit a power line. And that was an immediate no uh, for us too. So the place we ended up moving into, there were power lines across the street, which I wasn't thrilled about, but I started doing research on EMF and, and kind of how it exponentially decreases in frequency the further away that you get from it. And so uh, I didn't go out and tech and completely measure it, but, and, and I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but there was a number of feet or yards that once you get that number away, the exponential, um, uh, frequency of the EMF that's being put off of those power lines, uh, it decreases significantly. And so when I looked at that, then I kind of, and I kind of looked at where we were compared to that. I was like, okay, I think this is okay. But I did end up getting some like EMF 
like uh, blocking stuff for the house and diffusing things and, and a lot of that stuff for the house too, just because I was concerned about it. Um, anyways, that's a couple of things I was considering when I was looking for houses or for, this is when we were looking at apartments, but the same thing would go for houses too. Um, all right, off of that tangent. Sorry, I went crazy again. So back to the house. Okay, so we tested the ceiling. Ceiling is good. Uh, so we called the landlords and we said, hey guys, good news. No mold in the ceiling. Awesome. However, we need to get a plumber out here. we got to figure this out. Throughout this whole time, I told them and I told Nikki at the very beginning, we are not using this bathroom, the shower at all. Um, so we're not using the tub. We're not using the shower, either of them. I don't know where the leak is coming from. Um, I'm not going to risk making it worse. We need to get somebody out here to figure that out. So basically we've been in our new home for just under a week now. We have yet to use our master bathroom to shower in or take a bath or anything like that. Um, we're using the guest bedroom that's next door until we can get this whole thing figured out. So we got the plumber that's scheduled to come out tomorrow now, and we're going to try to figure out what's going on. So this is the process that I took for for me personally, right? This is somebody who does this, who knows how to handle this stuff. This is what we did. Testing is first. You have to understand what you're dealing with. If we don't test and then a plumber comes in and says, okay, we're going to remove this ceiling or something, and you don't know if there's a problem there, that's an issue, right? Because you can be spreading it throughout the house. It could cross-contaminate your belongings. It could get into your air conditioning system, all these things that can happen. So you have to understand that first. And so that's what we did first. So then we let the landlords know, hey, there's not a problem here. We can move forward and actually look to diagnose the leak now, right? This happens for any remediation. You shouldn't really be doing remediation until you're testing and understanding what you're dealing with. Because a lot of times people are not going to... Um, you know, especially if it's something like this where it wasn't a remediation thing. Uh, at this point, it's not remediation. It could have been, right? So the question, what they were going to want to do is let's get a plumber out here. Let's get them to look at it. And it's not their fault. They want, they want the house to be good, right? This is what we were talking about the, at the top of the show. They're very uh, involved and, and they want the house to be healthy because they're planning to give it away to their daughter. And so they wanted to get straight to the cause of the water, it's really important that we don't jump there immediately, that we understand if there's a mold contamination first, uh, because that area might have had to be remediated. And so I explained the steps I said to them. I said, okay, here's what we're doing. Step one, we're testing. And then step step 2A, if there's mold, then we have to remediate first. And so that's going to mean that we're going to have to remove this ceiling in here, and they're going to have to clean and remediate. And then we're going to have to do post-testing and make sure that it's clear. And then once it's clear, then we're going to basically move beyond the mold piece at that point. We're going to say, okay, the mold piece is okay. And so now we're going to get to actually figuring out the leak. And that's really step like 2B, right? So basically you take two paths. If there's no mold, you go, you skip 2A and you go straight to step 2B. And if there is mold, then you go straight to step 2A and then you go to step 2B. And so that's how, how I explained it to him. And he said, okay, that makes sense. Cool. So now we skip the remediation part because there isn't a mold issue up there and we're going straight to the plumber part. They're coming out on Wednesday. We're going to try to figure out what's going on. So that is, uh, that's what happened when we looked through the house, right? So I wanted to share the story with you guys and I, I can't believe I've been rambling on here for like 27 minutes, um, on what's been happening. Uh, but actually covered a few different things. So I feel like it, it'll be helpful for some of you. <laughs> um, but I just want to let you guys know, like, listen, I, I am a mold expert, right? And this stuff still happens to me. It, it's an equal opportunity 
employer mold. You know, it doesn't care who you are. It doesn't care where you live. You could live in the desert. You could live in the South. You could be someone who really knows everything about mold. You could be someone who knows nothing about mold. You can be old. You could be young. You can be uh, a wife, a husband, a kid, whatever. It could be an office building, a house, uh, a dorm at a school. It could be wherever. All right. This, this stuff, it doesn't care who you are. It doesn't care where you are. If there's a water issue, there's a potential for that to happen. If, if there's a water source, I should say, there's a potential for a water leak, right? So we're in a house. This house has water sources. There's the potential for water leaks. It doesn't care that I'm Brian Carr, an expert mold finder. It doesn't care. It just says, hey, man, we're a leak. We haven't been used for a long time. We're going to start. And so that's what happens. And so you have to make sure that you're on top of it and you're managing it. So I wanted to share that with you guys. I want you to know that it even happens to me. And just quick backstory and maybe I'll talk more about this on some future episodes it's literally happened to me in every single home I've ever lived in and every home I've left I have left because of a mold issue except for when I was a child and I left my house to just go to college Um, every other home that I've lived in I've left because there has been a water damage mold issue Uh, let me let me change that every home that I've lived in since (laughs) since I've become a mold guy, um, which is about seven years ago, every home I've lived in since then. And I actually understood what I was dealing with, what I was looking for. So if you listen back to episode one, that's my mold story. Um, you'll kind of hear how I became aware of all of this stuff. And so ever since that point in time, every place that I've lived in and have left has been because of a mold problem. And so it happens to me just as much as it happens to everyone else. And so my goal is to share my experiences with you in addition to, you know, my expertise on the, on the actual mold issue and how it grows and how it moves and all that stuff, but also like my living experiences. Cause this is, this is real life, right? This is what happens to real people. This isn't just theory. This isn't just, uh, you know, me going into homes and, and it's like, well, you only see the worst of the worst of homes, right? So of course you're gonna see all these problems. It's not just that it's me too, right? It happens to everybody. So, you know, keep that in mind. Try to manage things the right way, take the right steps, you know, create a good relationship with your landlords, with your management company. One quick thing on that note, just so you know, a little trick that I do, even when we were renting our apartments uh, and we weren't dealing with homeowners direct, I always got gifts for my landlords, for my uh, property managers, right? Treat them like they're real people. Treat them like you appreciate them. Around Christmas time, I got, I always get them a bottle of champagne, um, around, you know, different holidays, um, I'll get them a little something. I spent a lot of money on it, but think of it this way. It's an investment in them so that they will be more open to helping you when things go wrong in your house. Cause guys, things are going to go wrong. All right. It's going to happen. And wouldn't it be better if your landlord or your property manager or whoever your direct point of contact is, wouldn't it be better if they actually liked you first, if they knew who you were and they kind of liked you, wouldn't you be more apt to want to help someone that you kind of like, right? The answer is yes, right? It's just something I do all the time. I want to make sure that the people that are in control of my building, because I'm not in control of it, right? Because I don't own it. I want to make sure that I have influence over what's going on. And a way to have influence is to have a relationship with them and for them to like you. And you don't have to be friends necessarily, because I know that that's not always realistic. But it is really nice for them to to know who you are and not just be a faceless or a nameless face in a larger apartment building or in their portfolio of homes that they own. 
uh, for them to know who you are. And when you go out on a limb and you do something little for someone like that, you're going to stand. Nobody does that stuff, right? It's the same way that how we even got this house in the first place. We went above and beyond. We created this marketing flyer for our company. We did things that were more than anyone else did. That's why we got the house in the first place. And so, uh, Anyways, that's that's part of the deal. So thank you guys, everyone, for listening. I'll have more episodes this week. I got a lot more to share with you guys about uh, different things that I've been talking to different clients about and different projects we've been working on. So we'll get to that as we move through the week. Hey, one more quick thing, guys. If you wanted to give me a housewarming gift, because I know all of you are like, Brian, congratulations on moving to a new house. We want to give you a housewarming gift. I'm sure that you're just banging down my DMs right now. Um, But if you wanted to do a little something for me, I would super, super appreciate it if you would just rate this podcast really quickly. Like, Finish the episode. It's going to be done in about 10 seconds, 15 seconds. And when it's done, just click like the five star thing. Hopefully it's five stars. Um, But rate it for me if you could. It just it helps it pop higher up into the podcast platform so more people can see it. And it also lets me know that, um, you know, I'm doing a good job and that I'm, I'm, I'm doing things that you guys are finding helpful. So I hope all of that is the case. If you could just do that for me, I'd be very, very, very appreciative. All right. So uh, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. So that's it for today's show, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment and subscribe and give a rating wherever you get your podcasts. It'll help spread the word to those who really need it the most. 